This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman, and yes, the show is called Because I Said So. It is all about what in America today is referred to as parenting. It occurred to me recently that 60 plus years ago, it really wasn't called anything. It was uh, bringing them up, raising them up. But in the 1960s, late 1960s, we began to use the term parenting. We turned a noun, parent, into a verb And the subtle implication, perhaps not intended by the people who first uh, used the term, and it was a psychologist, by the way, named Fitzhugh Dodson, who wrote a book called How to Parent, in which he used the terms parent and parenting as verbs. It was perhaps not intended, but there is the subtle implication, or perhaps not so subtle, that uh, the raising of a child is a uh, technology. It uh, requires special learning. And that, that is why, folks, we today, today American parents, seek the advice of psychologists and other mental health professionals when it comes to child-rearing difficulties. 60-plus years ago, before parenting, when it was still raising them up, bringing them up, If a parent had a problem with a child, they, she, he, they did not go to someone with capital letters after their names. I mean, there there might have been the exception on occasion asking uh, the child's pediatrician or the general practitioner that the family saw as their physician the uh, pertinent question, but more often than not, A parent 60 years ago who had a problem with the raising of a child, and there have always been bumps in the road concerning the raising of children. I mean, after all, you're raising sinful little people who are sinful from the get-go. Their sin begins to emerge full-blown during the second year of life. Most of you have seen that. It's almost momentary. I mean, it's almost like suddenly sin begins to burst forth from this previously cute, affectionate, cuddly child. Overnight, the child becomes demonic, screaming and yelling uh, whenever he doesn't get his way, uh, trying to hit and bite and so on and so forth. So there there have always been bumps in the road. Sinful people raising sinful people, there are going to be problems. But when there were problems 60 plus years ago, parents went to elders in their extended families, their churches, their neighborhoods, their communities, trusted elders who in any given instance might not have had more than a fifth or eighth grade education. And yet I am absolutely convinced that these people gave better advice than psychologists and other mental health professionals have been giving since 1965 when Due to the publication of a bestseller titled Between Parent and Child, written by Manhattan psychologist Chaim 
Gannat. Aren't you impressed that I can pronounce that correctly? I can do that because my mother's second marriage was to a Jewish man, and she converted, so I was actually raised in a Jewish household and learned how to pronounce such things as Chaim. But anyway, this fellow, Chaim, Chaim Gannat, psychologist, Manhattan, so therefore he's got to be smarter than the average bear, right? Writes this book, Between Parent and Child, overturning every single understanding concerning children and how to bring them up properly that had previously existed. And parents suddenly became convinced in America that if they wanted the real skinny on how to raise a child or how to discipline a child or how to solve a discipline problem, that they needed to seek the counsel of a psychologist or mental health professional. And as mental health professionals became ascendant, the regard for the traditional, commonsensical, biblically-based advice that uh, previously had been and still could have been dispensed by elders was held in lower and lower and lower regard. And so today, many grandparents tell me with rue and regret that uh, their children will not accept advice from them concerning the grandkids. That uh, when the grandparents try to give advice based on their experience, their wisdom, they are basically told, uh, you don't know what you're talking about, things aren't done that way anymore, and uh, we're going to do things our own way anyway, and uh, why don't you just keep your opinions to yourself? I, I mean, I, I want to tell you that uh, being a grandparent uh, used to be, and, and still is for many people, but I will tell you that based on my conversations with grandparents around the country, a grandparenting in general is no longer the joy that it once was. The joy coefficient in grandparenting over the last 50 to 60 years has declined considerably. Today's grandparents tell me that they feel disrespected by their children. They, uh, they feel like they are not valued other than as babysitters and so on and so forth. And, and this is a major American uh, tragedy, ladies and gentlemen, when, when the connection in the raising of children between generations is disrupted and broken to that degree. It is an indication of the general and increasing brokenness in our culture. All brokenness, by the way, in a culture begins with brokenness in the family. And this is a form of brokenness that grandparents feel irrelevant, disrespected, and they tell me, you know, we go into our children's home and we don't understand what's going on, John. I mean, it's chaos. And the children are talking back to their parents and ignoring their parents and uh, demanding and crying and screaming and, and fighting with each other and uh, so on and so forth. And uh, they won't eat what's put in front of them. They demand special food and won't sleep in their own beds and, uh, you know, want to sleep in the parents' bed. And, uh, John, it's just, it's weird. It's bizarre. And, yes, it is. To a person 
in my generation watching this stuff. Now, I, I haven't had to watch very much of it. My wife and I have been blessed with two children who, uh, not completely, but to significant degree, took the lessons of their own upbringing into their own parent experience and child-rearing experience. And so there were times when my wife mostly gave either our daughter or daughter-in-law some gentle advice, but always it was received well. Nobody ever told us to keep our mouths shut, mind our own business, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, this is what I hear from grandparents all over the country. And it is a tragedy, and it is it speaks to the general and growing brokenness in our culture. You know, just the the fact that parents would say to grandparents, you know, we've got our own way of doing things. I mean, what a ridiculous, I mean, excuse me, if that uh, is what you think, uh, person in my audience today, excuse me if that's what you think, that you have your own way of doing things when it comes to the raising of children. (laughs) What an arrogant idea. These are God's children. You think they're yours? Well, they're not. What a narcissistic idea. These are my children, and I will raise them my way. I mean, that is just arrogance to the utmost. I can't think of a more arrogant thing to say. Here's reality for those of you who need it. Your children, even though you refer to them with personal pronouns, my children, my son, our, so on and so forth, They are God's children, and you are acting as God's proxy in the raising of his children. Let me make that clear. Not your children. And you have no business doing this your way. You do it God's way. That is the only way it should be done. And and along those lines, God has, in fact, given us a simple, clear set of instructions in Scripture, in His Word, pertaining to children and pertaining to how we should be acting as His proxies in His stead. And uh, that is the only set of child-rearing directions that should be used in the Christian community. Uh, You know, I I can go off on any tangent here, but, you know, unfortunately, I'm hearing the same problems from parents in the Christian community that I hear from parents in the secular world. And what this means is that parents in the Christian community are not raising children according to God's Word, they are raising children according to their own understandings and the understandings of other equally fallible and sinful human beings. If you uh, are raising an imperfect, you yourself being imperfect, you are raising an imperfect human being, you will do a much better job with a set of perfect instructions than you will instructions from another imperfect human being. And we'll be back uh, after the break with more of this uh, parenting heresy from uh, your host, John Rosemond, who, by the way, happens to be a licensed I, happened to be a licensed 
psychologist. How about that? A psychologist with a license issued by the North Carolina Psychology Board. So anyway, we'll be back in a moment. This is Because I Said So, carried every Saturday at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, and you can do the math on the rest on American Family Radio. Be right back. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could stay with us. And if you're just joining us, I'm John Rosemond. I'm your host, and the show is called Because I Said So. And it is all about what in America today is called parenting, which I prefer to call child rearing. I don't like the term parenting. It, it sounds uh, like uh, it's the, the impression conveyed vis-a-vis the word parenting is that this is a technology. And and by the way, that's the way most American parents think of it. They think of it as a technology, that there are methods and techniques and strategies that will, uh, if mastered, cause you to have continuing success in the area of discipline. And, you know, there's a point. Uh, Parents, my parents, did not believe in methods, techniques, and strategies when it came to the discipline of me. My friends' parents, parents of my parents' generation, did not believe in methods, techniques, and strategies. They understood intuitively that a child was properly disciplined through a proper conveyance of the parent's confidence in the legitimacy of his or her authority over the child. I'll say that again, because maybe it's a mouthful. The way you discipline a child is through the conveyance, the presentation of a proper attitude that reflects a complete confidence in the legitimacy of your authority over your child. Now, this does not mean that consequences are never necessary or unimportant or anything along those lines. It simply means that consequences, methods, techniques, and strategies, timeouts, spankings, and so on and so forth, that is not how you discipline a child. You discipline a child by acting like you know what you're doing. It's really that simple. You simply act like you know what you're doing. You act like uh, you've got a plan There's no point in explaining the plan to a child because a child cannot understand the plan because the plan involves raising a proper citizen, raising a good neighbor, raising a godly individual who will embrace and follow Christ in his life. That's what it's all about. You can't explain all that to a child. You can begin explaining it uh, maybe when the child is 8, 9, 10 years old You know, here's my plan. Here's my purpose. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. But, you know, you can only explain it in bits and pieces. Let's face it, folks. The child won't understand your plan until he becomes an adult and furthermore won't really and truly completely understand your plan for him until he becomes a parent himself or herself. So, You know, this attitude, the attitude that 
properly disciples a child is an attitude that reflects the uh, the parent's confidence in the legitimacy of their own authority. It consists of one part acting like you know what you're doing, another part acting like you have a plan and you are guided by a plan. And by the way, this is what is meant by the most well-known of all child-rearing proverbs in the book of Proverbs, train up the child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I hope I got that right. I don't have a Bible in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I got that you know, right close enough. <laughs> uh, what that means is that in the forefront of your mind, when you are raising a child, you should have a vision of the adult you want your child to be when your child is 30 years old. And you should aim at that vision every single day of your child-rearing life. Uh, you should aim at that uh, vision at every moment of interaction with your child uh, so that you keep moving in a straight line. And, and again, this connects with what I said during the first half of the show, that there's a really only one set of instructions that we, and especially we in the Christian community, need and should use in the raising of children, and that is the instructions given in God's Word, the Bible, the Old and the New Testaments. Proverbs 3, 5, and again, I don't have a Bible in front of me, sorry about that, but Trust in the Lord with all your heart, depend not on your own understanding, and so on, and he will keep your path straight. Right. Why are so many parents zigzagging all over the parenting playing field looking for a coherent sense of direction on a daily basis? It is because they don't have a plan, a long-term plan, a mission statement that guides their moment-by-moment, day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, year-by-year child-rearing behavior. They are not moving in a straight line because the only set of parenting instructions that will keep you moving in a straight line from point A to point E, which is emancipation, the only set of instructions that will keep you moving in a straight line during that 18 to hopefully no more than 21-year period are God's instructions. That's the only set of instructions that will keep you moving in a straight line. That's the only set of instructions that uh, are not confusing. We have been depending on the advice of people with credentials in the field of mental health primarily people with capital letters after their names, impressive credentials, uh, so on and so forth. And I guess, you know, I guess I am one of those people from a certain perspective ever since the mid-1960s. Are today's parents calm and uh, purposeful and do they have it uh, together no matter what their kids do? No. No. I mean, there are some out there. There's, a, you know, there's exceptions to everything I say, but you know, today's parents, what are they? They're, they're hardly calm. They're, they're anxious. They're worried. They feel guilt, especially mothers. A guilt is a mother illness in America today. It was not a mother illness 60 years ago. It is a mother illness and probably accurately called a mother epidemic 
in America today. Today's parents are confused. They have no sense of direction. They don't know what they're doing. I said to an audience the other day, most American parents are simply trying to get through the day. They're just trying to get through the day. They wake up in the morning, and whether they actually say this prayer or not, it's as if they say this prayer, Lord, just help me get through this day. And folks, that is not the way to raise a child. You know, you you have to have a long-term plan. You've got to have it clear in your mind, the adult you want your child to be when your child is 30 years old, and that's what you're moving toward every single day. And you're moving toward that vision. Remember what the Bible says about people who don't have a vision. They, what? They perish. They perish. That's your vision. The adult you want your child to be when your child is 30 years old. And that, that is what keeps you, along with God's instructions, concerning how he wants you to raise his children. That's what keeps you moving in a straight line. So anyway, I said this to an audience recently in Greenville, North Carolina, and yeah, I said, uh, most American parents are just trying to get through the day, Uh, they're muddling through the day, they're improvising, they're trying this and trying that and zigzagging all over the playing field and really don't know what they're doing, they're just kind of praying that it all will turn out okay. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I look at this audience of about 100 people, and I said, uh, am I correct in that? And everybody is sitting there nodding their head and going, yeah, you are, John. You are absolutely correct. I mean, here's the thing, folks. You know, children, the raising of a child is a simple proposition. Uh, children are not complicated. Uh, the Bible tells us what we need to know about children and what we need to know about parental responsibilities in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, foolishness. Some translations have the word as folly. Foolishness is, and listen to the next word, wow, bound, bound in the heart of a child. It's like imprisoned. But the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. In other words, folks, you know, you should give of a child's emotional outbursts, no credence whatsoever, no credence. And you should be very, very cautious about giving the other 5% any credence. By the way, the rod of discipline does not refer to a spanking. It is a metaphorical use of the word rod when it is preceded by the article the. That's very clear. It's unarguable. And we in the Christian community, we need to get over that very, very non-productive, counterproductive idea that God is telling us to spank our kids every time they misbehave. No, he's not. Uh, Now, the rod of discipline doesn't eliminate a spanking, but the rod of discipline refers to parents who are, and I'll use a new age term here, channeling God's authority, which is often referred to in Scripture as the rod, the rod of his mouth, the rod of his word, the authority of his word, that we are to channel God's authority over us to our children, that we are to be a model to our children of God's authority. You know, God is not 
spanking us every time we misbehave. If you, uh, I hope you've noticed that. Anyway, um, so the show is called Because I Said So, and it's always too short. I mean, I, I do two 13-minute segments or thereabouts, and at the end of a 13-minute segment, I, I, I'm always going, is that 13 minutes? I mean, wow, it, it just goes so fast. I, uh, I guess that means I'm having a good time, which I am, by the way, and I hope that uh, the show is enjoyable for you, that you enjoy listening to it, that it's a blessing in your life. And that you'll join us again. American Family Radio, Saturday, 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, exclusively on American Family Radio. I'm your host, John Rosemond. God bless you all, and God bless your families. And hope to uh, see you next week. Bye now.